Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Marveling with May. I'm May, your friendly neighborhood guide to the MCU, and today we are talking about Miss Marvel Episode 3, titled Destined. I cannot wait for this one, so without further ado, let's get started. Okay, so the beginning of this episode, we got some much-needed answers to some of our questions, although it did leave us wondering about a lot more. So we see a group of people. We don't really know who they are, but we can assume that they're related to Kamala in some way because we heard her talking about um, India during the partition, and then we see that this footage is from, or not footage, uh, this scene is from India during the partition. And so we see this group, and they're looking through ruins um, for something, for a bangle. And they're able to find it, and it's on the hand of a blue Cree. So you see a dismembered hand, uh, and it's blue. And, I mean, we can only assume that it has to be of Cree origin, and there is a bangle on it. The same bangle that Kamala wears now. So... This is where things get interesting to me because it's pretty clear through the rest of this episode that we're not tying back to inhuman origins. At least to me, it it doesn't feel like that's the direction that we're headed, but they're still including a lot of stuff related to the Kree, which when you're talking about the Kree and you're talking about humans, the natural progression there is also to talk about inhumans. Just, I mean... That's kind of how it goes because of the fact that Cree made in humans. So I'm just, I'm curious how they fit into this and what, how the Jin fit into this. And we'll talk about that in a second because I know that happens later in the episode. But how do the Jin fit into the Cree? And are the Cree and the Jin one and the same? Are the Jin maybe scrolls, like scrolls that have been separated from their homeland? I, I don't know. There's a lot of questions here. Lots of answers, but also lots of questions. Now, the biggest thing that happens in this very first, like, this is literally a minute into the episode. We see the symbol of the Ten Rings in the, it's like an underground bunker that they're in. Um, and we see the Ten Rings logo on the floor of this building that has been destroyed. And, I mean, this is even more mind-boggling, because how are the Ten Rings involved? Obviously, we saw Shang-Chi in the Ten Rings, we saw the Ten Rings in action, but how in the world is this related? Like, how do we take a um, a group of, essentially, supervillains across time and relate them to the Ten Rings and Kree? And this is, I mean, this episode really, it definitely, it answered some questions, but I'm still also just left being really, really confused because we have all these elements of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the Marvel Comic Universe that they've kind of teased or like put in there, but I don't know how any of them are related or what the big connecting factor is going to be. So the Ten Rings was definitely one I did not expect to see. And that was super surprising, but the interesting thing about the Ten Rings is that when you look at uh, the the bands, or the way that the bands form around Shang-Chi's arms, it looks very similar to the bangle. 
when Kamala puts on the bangle and sort of activates it, right, it expands to the shape of her arm. And when Shang-Chi wears the rings and he has them on his forearm, they expand to the shape of his forearm and they kind of separate from each other and make like this big gauntlet on his arm. And so they seem almost similar in their function, but how are they related? Because the origin of the Ten Rings is in the location that's like across the world from where we are during the partition in India. So yeah, I just, I don't know how they exactly connect unless the Kree are that connecting point. Maybe in the MCU, we're not going to see in humans in the same way that we saw them in the comics. Maybe in humans are more closely related to specific objects or artifacts like the bangle, like the Ten Rings. And instead of the Terrigen Mist bringing out the powers that are dormant inside of them, it's now objects or artifacts. And that's the thing that I, I think I'm going with. I think I'm going with the fact Shang-Chi is an inhuman and so is Kamala and the bangle and the rings are some sort of inhuman device, um, sort of similar to Terrigenesis Mist from the comics. But again, it's really I'm really confused as to how all of this connects together. So we also learn very quickly in this episode that Kamala is a djinn. Now, I am not super familiar with Jin in the context of the Marvel comic universe, but kind of what we can gather from the MCU is that they are a group of people exiled from their home planet. Now, what is their home planet and why do they want to get back? Now, this leads me to why were they exiled? Why were they brought out of this planet? And why are they in such a hurry to get back? Unless they have bad intentions for getting back and this is where I come up with the scroll idea. I think that it's possible that the djinn are actually scrolls who have shapeshifted and formed into different people um, to look like members of Kamala's family. So I- Aisha, I believe I'm saying that right, Aisha, I don't know if Aisha was a part of this group. Like I think that she was maybe just a normal, not a normal person, I don't know. But somehow, the scroll have sort of entered into this family, um, because we're supposed to assume also that they're related, right? Kamala and these people that are showing up. I think that's what we're meant to gather. I don't know. But somehow they've showed up, um, and the scroll have infiltrated this family or become friends with this family um, by looking like humans, and then uh, they've been able to convince Kamala to get them back to their home planet, which is in fact actually the Kree planet that they are trying to invade. I don't know. It feels like a far stretch, but also that was that was where I first went to. Because why are they in such a hurry to get back if they've been here for a hundred years? Like why do they need Kamala to open this portal this quickly? Like why can't they wait one more day? Because that's kind of all she's asking for. But yeah, it, it all felt very suspicious to me. Um, and then, okay, this is kind of like a small thing, but in the back of Bruno's room, uh, when he's talking to Kamala, it looks like the Watcher is on that poster. There's a poster that says Into Space and Beyond. And to me, like the main person on that poster looks very much like the Watcher, which begs the question, how do they know what the Watcher looks like? How does anyone know what a Watcher looks like? And this is something that I've kind of been fascinated by in the MCU because it feels like there is like Marvel Comics exists within the MCU, but like 
wouldn't the comics then be paralleling what's happening in the MCU? Or is it different somehow? Like, are they seeing comics from another universe in the multiverse? Like, the same way that we're seeing comics that are written about another universe separate from the one that we're living in? I don't know. That's a very meta conversation, but... That's I have kind of always wondered that because we have little references like in Captain America to Marvel Comics, Captain America comics, but they're written about Captain America, but then how would they have something like the Watcher that they know about within this story? So yeah, again, just something that is confusing. Um, and then the clandestines. So we realize that this family, they call themselves the clandestines. Now, when I first heard this, I like I could have sworn that it rang a bell. I was like, oh, that sounds so familiar. And so I looked it up. They're just like this really super obscure supervillain group from Marvel Comics that only appeared in like 20 issues as a, the cover group. And so it it's really strange that we're focusing on them because honestly, I didn't know them. I don't know why I thought that the name rang a bell, but I, I don't think I've ever read anything with the clandestines in it. Um, and from what I can gather, they're this a very, a very deep cut in the Marvel comics. Like they've crossed paths with uh, Doctor Strange and the Fantastic Four and X-Men, but like so has literally everyone else. So that's not a huge delineator. But yeah, that was definitely one I was not familiar with. And it makes me wonder why we're using them if they're such a deep cut within marvel comics like what's the connection that's going to be made but yeah that that was super interesting and the fact that we're not really going the inhuman route with this show at least it doesn't seem like we are i just i mean i know marvel has some sort of plan for why they wouldn't want to include inhumans when it's already basically been confirmed that inhumans exist because of the presence of black bolt in multiverse of madness like I don't know what the hesitation is with just making this an Inhumans show. Like, no one would have doubted it. It would have just been a new thing. Like, like they're introducing the Jinn. They could have introduced Inhumans and then tied it into the Secret Wars that's coming up. But they're going this entirely different route. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just curious as to, like, what they're doing with that. Um, but we have the clandestines. I'm, I mean, really confused by that. Um... And the one thing I can gather from this is I think that they're just after Kamala's powers. For some reason, I I couldn't tell you why, but, like, from their appearances in comics, it just seems like they're this pretty, like, standard supervillain group. Not anything that really sticks out to me. But why are Kamala's powers so important? And why do they want him so badly? And how are they related to Monica Rambeau's powers and Captain Marvel's powers? Or are they related at all? Like, <laughs> there are so many questions here. Um, but the next big Easter egg, the next biggest thing, we get a mention about Dr. Eric Selvig, who, if you are not familiar, was the scientist from Thor 1. I guess he was in Thor 2 as well. He's basically the scientist that helps Thor uh, figure out a way back to Asgard, which is very important and interesting considering that Asgard in Norse mythology is a we can consider it like a spiritual realm I I guess is the best way to describe it and from the way that they're presenting the jinn they are also sort of part of a spiritual realm so I found this really interesting because 
if they're somehow related, if Norse mythology, and I mean, like, in the MCU, we've gotten so many different mythologies within the last several movies and properties, right? We've had Egyptian mythology, we have Norse mythology, we're getting Greek mythology, uh, we had Black Panther in the ancestral plane, which was less of like a religion or mythology, I would say, but it was still definitely in that spiritual realm. And now we have this, which is, it seems to be another very spiritual, like, religious, like, towing the line between religious and space interdimensional travel. It, it's like this whole category of um, places where we've been. And Eric Selvig, if he's already investigating mythology in Norse mythology, uh, how does he play into, like, the djinn and whatever mythology they play into so it's all it's all really interesting to me and I think that it's it's very cool the way that Marvel is using religion or like cultural um mythologies or things like that to create superheroes like they've done that a lot in the past couple of properties and I think that it's a really interesting approach to superheroics like instead of just being like yeah you know they got bit by a spider, which I'm not, I'm not saying that Spider-Man is a bad storyline, but instead of making it kind of this more basic thing of like, got bit by a spider or got hit by lightning or whatever, it has depth and it has a story and it has cultural roots. And I think that's really cool. Um, and then <laughs> this is just a note that I made, not Nakia, 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 Nakia. I'm going to say Nakia. Nakia is so iconic. Like, truly, she might be my favorite character in this whole show. Just because, no, I, I really do like Kamala. Um, But Nakia, like, she just is, like, funny in, she has the driest humor, and I find it so funny. And it's, like, the contrast between her and Kamala. Like, I, I think Nakia is very mature and, like, very much, I actually, is she older than Kamala? I can't really tell. I think she could be. Like, she could pass for being older than Kamala. But she's just so much more mature and, like, understands life, I think, a little bit better. And it's really fun to see their dynamic working together because they are very different. Um, But Nakia is just... She kicks out those DODC agents and (laughs) is having none of their uh, threats or, you know, anything that they're doing. So she just kicks them right out. So Bruno makes mention of the fact that interdimensional travel for Kamala would require the power of the sun. And it was a very small line, but to me it felt really deliberate. Because I do remember that in comics there were specific characters that had been described as having the power of the sun. And it was something that I definitely recognized. And I was like, let's look that up for a second. So I have a short list of people that I think could be related to this. So the first one is Sunspot, who is... He was a member of the X-Men, um, and he was a mutant from Brazil who basically had the power to absorb the sun's energy and use it for himself. So definitely power of the sun type of guy. And I believe there was a specific line in the comics where he's described by another character as having the power of the sun. Now, the cool thing about involving Sunspot is that he is a mutant. So, I mean, that's a direct line to X-Men and you know, Professor X and all these people that 
we've wanted to have in the MCU for such a long time. Then the next person is Sentry, who is definitely more of a lesser-known character, I would say, but Sentry is very closely related to Reed Richards, which, for obvious reasons, would be very exciting because (laughs) Reed Richards has been teased many times, and him entering through Sentry would be a very cool thing to see. Um, Now, the cool thing about Sentry is he's this guy who has incredible powers, but he's sort of, um, he has like this counter hero or like anti-hero that shows up every time he shows up, uh, that also has insane amount of powers. So what they do is they wipe Sentry's memory a lot and, um, basically like keep it a secret that he has these powers. But then every so often he realizes again that he has these powers because of, things that he sees or heroes need him for something and so they restore his memory but then when that happens you have this other hero or anti-hero that goes on basically like destruction sprees around cities and whatnot so Sentry would be pretty cool to see in the mcu again because he's so closely related to reed richards um but also just as a character he'd be definitely super interesting to see on the big screen Then the final person seems a little obvious, but Captain Marvel. I mean, I don't know if anyone has ever specifically said Power of the Sun in describing her powers, but they definitely could be described in that way. I mean, it's all about light and light powers and energy and all that. So I think Carol Danvers could be recruited for this mission of exiling the Jinn from our planet to their home planet, because I think that's the most logical path forward for Kamala is to send them back from this planet to their planet but of course it would take an insane amount of power um and I mean the whole underlying plot of this episode is Kamala coming to terms with the fact that at some point she's going to have to tell her family about what's going on and we've had little glimpses or little hints of Kamala realizing this And I think by the end of this series, she is going to have to come clean to her family about what's happening. Um, But hopefully that is a a good thing for her. And I think it will be a good thing for her to have that support system. So that was kind of the whole familial part of this episode, you know, barring all the super heroics. The wedding was so fun. Um, I really enjoyed those couple of scenes where it was just like happy and fun and Kamala was having a good time and everyone was having a good time rather than worrying about interdimensional travel. (laughs) Um, And Bruno is so cute in this episode. He's so, like, just excited to be there, like, with everyone. Um, And I just, he's he's really funny. And I feel bad for him again. I mean, Kamran, of course, is very attractive and very, you know, he's a cool guy. But (laughs) Bruno is trying really hard. And, yeah, I feel bad. The fight sequence. Oh my goodness. I really love this one. And it definitely wasn't the most like intense or brutal fight sequence we've ever seen in the MCU, but they did a really, really good job of making it tense and adding tension and making you like really feel scared like Kamala was. Um, in a way that a lot of other Marvel shows haven't done so well with. Uh, like, Moon Knight obviously had amazing fight sequences, you know, some of the other more recent ones, but even, like, older, um, like, Captain America fight sequences, I mean, they were always good, 
there was never the type of tension I think that we saw in this fight sequence like with her in the kitchen and the lights going out and one thing I really liked how they at the beginning all of the punches and there was like one very specific sequence of punches that hit all on the beat of the music and I thought that was so cool like again it wasn't the most intense sequence we've ever seen but it was just so well choreographed and coordinated it looked amazing I I loved it so much um and then Bruno Bruno got punched it was very sad he was like hit by one of the the clandestines um but he's down for the count but for the first time in the series we saw Kamala's iconic punches uh the fists that grow from her fists and it's this giant fist hitting someone through the air that is like probably her biggest yeah I'll say it's her like biggest move from the comics that was the thing that was super iconic for her character was those giant fists and then punching someone out of the air yeah so that was super cool to see on the big screen um brought to life I I love that scene um and then the vision (laughs) oh my gosh so many questions the train um why is why is Kamala seeing this at the same time as another person why are I mean they're both touching the bangle which is the reasoning I think we're supposed to use for why they both see it but then why does Nani at the end also see it why does this entire family see a train did Kamala's mother see a train was it only Kamala in this family? I, I'm I'm really confused by the train. And I would assume that the train has something to do with the train that we heard about in the story about Sana, but how does that have any relation to what we're talking about now? And the trail of stars thing that we talked about in that story earlier, like how are all these things connected? I just I cannot wait. Like I'm so excited. I'm on the edge of my seat waiting for when we see how all of this plays out. Because it's it's so interesting, and I'm really, I'm really invested in it now. Um, Kamran is arrested, which I imagine is going to be a big conflict going forward. And Nakia also realizes that Kamala is Nightlight, for lack of a better superhero title. Um, but she realizes that it has been Kamala all along, and is obviously not very happy about it. And then the ending of this episode is Nani telling Kamala that she has to go to Karachi and that she has seen the vision of the train. So I suppose that's where we're headed next. I just, I'm, I cannot wait to see how this plays out because there's been so much and I've loved this show so much. And I just, I know that there's going to be something at the end that will tie it all together. I'm so excited. So yeah. I can't wait to talk about it when it happens, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Marveling with May. I'll see you guys next week for Miss Marvel episode four. Hopefully we'll get some answers to all those questions we had. Cannot wait. So I'll see you guys in the next one. Bye, guys.